Deuteronomy 29. Uh, let's thank our musicians. And, yeah. that, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll take some time to pray kind of in the middle of that first set of music. I told them before, I was like, I'm kind of looking forward to that, like, just a dense block of awesome, awesomeness right there. And I'm grateful for them. Kind of the theme of a lot of those songs was this, this just the massiveness of God, the goodness of God, the, the, um, the uniqueness of his name, meaning, uh, like, who he is, his character, his strength, his power, his faithfulness, his goodness. Um, and, you know, we're, we, we sing those songs, we get excited about those, those ideas, and we embrace them. And, um, and then, you know, we did the same thing last Sunday night, and then you wake up on Monday, and there's this news about the worst mass shooting in the history of America, you know? And the, you're kind of like seeing those news reports come in, and you're sitting there, and it's, it feels like such, an, uh, such a swing from gathered on Sunday into something like that. And sometimes it's hard to know what to do with that. The, um, the, the beauty of God and then the ugliness of our world uh, sometimes are difficult to reconcile. And, and, and sometimes it gets really deep into our, our trust in Him, our, our thinking about Him, our just our, us trying to understand how it all fits together and how it all works and so tonight we're going to take a little detour away from our journey through Mark. And uh, I just want to talk about that a little bit. I don't want to bring the room down, so don't let, me, don't let, me, don't let it feel like that. But it is, it is going to be kind of one of those things where we need to really um, recognize the, the uniqueness of our journey as believers. Because you, know, you, you take something like a mass shooting or, or something, something really bad like that, and if you're not a Christian, there's a certain amount of processing you have to do with it. And then you kind of move, not move on, but you move forward. But as a Christian, we have all these, we have these lyrics that come from, from this book. You know? We have more to consider, and sometimes things that look like they contradict each other. Um, so this past week, the... The, the BCM uh, call, like I was scheduled to speak at TNT on Thursday night, which is their weekly worship service. And uh, basically they're like, look, our, our students are, like when you start to list everything that's happened just in this school year, it's just a lot. So could you come in and, and maybe just address, you know, kind of how that all fits with our faith, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, that's easy. <laughs> no, no problem. I'll knock that out. And, uh, and so, you know, pursued that and got into it and then, um, the longer I was kind of sitting in those ideas, I just felt like the Lord was like, hey, um, everyone needs to kind of be challenged in this kind of way too, not just a BCM thing. And so I kind of bring to you the Living Hope version of what was Thursday night a little bit. Um, so that's kind of where this came from. The more I got into it, the Lord was like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who will be in that room on Sunday that are struggling with it, with how these fit together, and it's not just about us. Like we have to work through it for our own. Uh, I mean, as sons and daughters of God, we have to process it. But also, we're interacting with people all the time who have a list of bad things in the world, and that list is why they don't really believe what we sing about 
and talk about. They don't believe the goodness of God, the power of God. Uh, they, they just don't buy into it because uh, of all the things that we see going around us. And so if you were to like comp- put them all together, you know, there's, I mean, we just, this, we watched our fourth hurricane roll into the United States. And the, this one was obviously not as bad as the, the first three that we watched, but just one after the other, just tearing across the world. And you're like, man, that's, that's tough to, it's tough to understand. We've been through hurricanes. And so in some senses, it's kind of, it's kind of normal, but in another sense, you're like, man, why, why God, you know? Um, we went through our own why God moment a year ago with our flood. And then you had the earthquake near Mexico City. You know, that was, we kind of watched that happen. You, 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 you have all the like international concerns, whether it's ISIS or North Korea, and there's this big global scene that you're just never really sure what's going to happen. Um, all the, the tensions in America about race, whether it's Charlottesville, whether it's the the uh, protests of the national anthem, uh, you know, police brutality. There's there's so much tension that comes down to the racial divides that uh, have existed for a long time. Um, we live in a city where the murder rate has never been higher, and they're having to bring the feds in to help. You know, like it's it's a it's a nerve wracking time. Um, at the you know there were three LSU students that have died. You know, so that's a part of why they wanted me to come talk about it at the BCM was because it's hit so close to home for them. Uh, but it hits close to home for all of us. And then you have Las Vegas, you know. And so uh, I guess the premise would be, how do, you, how do you sing songs like these, and then how do you understand what's happening with the, the dark, heavy, terrible things that our world uh, kind of has to offer? How do, those, uh, how do you reconcile those two? Um, so I'm, I'm not here to tell you the answers, First of all, if you're like, ooh, I've always wanted someone to answer this for me. That ain't, that ain't what I'm about to do. Because uh, I, I think that it is, uh, it's God's problem to answer. Um, he's the only one that can really like, fill in all the blanks. Uh, what I want to do is just kind of offer up one possible tool to help you work through stuff. Because these are, all, these are big, you know, the big kind of... Some of them systemic, some of them you know, natural disasters, you know, kind of its own category. Uh, these big kind of problems, but also uh, this stuff will hit close to home for you. Because we could, you know, we could say why earthquakes, we could say why, um, why um, hurricanes, why those kinds of things. Um, but at some point, you're going to get a report from the doctor, you know. At some point, someone close to you is going to go through something difficult, at some point, you're going to go through something difficult. It's going to hit our families. It's going to hit our community groups. It's going to hit our church. It's going to, it's going to hit so close to home, or, very, or maybe it hits you in such a way that, that it stops being something that's a problem out there or over there, and it starts being a problem in here. And we have to kind of figure out what to do with it. And so whether, whether this helps you process a personal thing or a family thing or a church thing or a world systems thing, uh, maybe this is one like one way to help you process your way through it and work through it. And so this really isn't as a sermon as much as it is maybe like a counseling session technique type thing. But it's one where I do all the talking, so it's kind of like a sermon. So, but Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine is one of my my favorite go to verses when it comes to big issues, and um, I want to use it as a framework. So this is what the verse says. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us 
and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Here, Moses takes all the stuff going on in the world and he puts it in two categories. It's either a secret thing that God has kept to himself, or it is something that has been revealed for, for us to be able to like, know what to do. When you, when you hear secret, you might think that's a bad, bad thing, but think secret like a parent doesn't really sit down with their kid and tell them everything about everything about everything because it's just not, it's not good for them. And so God has hidden some things from us. He's kept some things just to himself. But just like a good parent with your kid, you tell them some stuff. You, you meet them on their level where they are, where they can understand stuff. And so God has met us on our level through the word to reveal some things. So when I say a counseling tool or a technique, uh, sometimes what some counselors will do, and I do this with people as well, is you kind of give them like a homework assignment. And I'm a big fan of making lists. And uh, so if this were to be a list, what I would tell you to do is I would tell you to make, uh, take a piece of paper and make two, two columns. And one column on the left is, you can write the word secret at the top of it. Column on the right, you can write revealed on the top of it. And that you would make a list. In, in this particular situation, what, is, what has God kept to himself? What are the hidden secret things? And in this particular situation, what has he revealed for me to be able to walk in this? What has he revealed to us and to our children that we may walk forever in the words of the law? And so those would be the two columns. And if we were like super high tech, I would probably have lots of cool graphic stuff to show you, but we aren't. So you'll just have to imagine it or do it yourself. So what would go on the left column? What, what would be the secret things that belong to the Lord our God? Let me use, let me use the Las Vegas shooting as, a, as our like, example. Okay? What would be a secret in regard to what happened last weekend? One would be, well, most of these are going to start with why. Why these specific victims? You know, you got 20,000 people at a concert. So why those 58 why them? Uh, or, I mean, you could look at it the other way. Some people ask this as like, why, why, did, why did those particular survivors survive? Survivor's guilt is a real thing, and a part of that is why. And so that's like those like, well, why them and why not them? That, all those kinds of questions. Uh, why, would, why would God allow non-Christians to die? Doesn't that mean if they're not Christian, doesn't that mean that they perish? And so why... Why wouldn't, all, why wouldn't he, he let those bullets who just, just raining down on top of them happen to hit 58 believers? You know, Why were some of them possibly not believers? I don't, I don't know how we would know that. but Why did the shooter plan this and carry it out? You know? like what was going on internally with him? There's always, you know, in those situations, they're, they're trying to find reasons. They're trying to find a note or a, a manifesto of some sort. or so All these hints to try to find out what was going on inside of him. But only God knows the pain that he was in and the darkness that he was walking in that led to this. God has kept that to himself so far. And even if they find a note and even if they find you know, whatever that gives some insight, it's still not going to be... The thorough knowledge that God has. He's kept that. 
And probably the, the most common thing that you will hear is, why didn't God intervene and stop it? I mean, we've been singing some pretty, some pretty strong lyrics this, like this evening and, and every Sunday, and, and there's this, this general sense that God can do anything, and we believe it. You know, we're like fist in the air, believe it. Uh, but then you watch that, and when someone's like, well, if God's all-powerful, if God knew it was going to happen, if God is love, if God, if God, if God, 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 God then, then why didn't he do this, or why did he allow it, you know, those kinds of things. And so that left column, that like secret hidden things that belong to the Lord our God, that's a, that's a bummer of a list, but it's real, you know. It's real with the Vegas shootings. It's real as you're watching uh, hurricanes go through poor countries. It's, 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 it's the case when you're, when you're watching an, an earthquake destroy a, a city. It's, it's uh, the why questions in terms of the violence in our city or, or the racism that still exists that we can't seem to figure out like how to change like what's going on. And, um, it's also the whys when you get a bad report from the doctor or someone that you love uh, has that bad report. And um, all the way down to the, the hurts and betrayals that we all have with one another. You know, why cancer? Why mental health? Why can't we figure that out? Uh, why are there accidents? Why does God allow this? Why does God not stop this? You get this left side of the column going, and it's really, it's difficult. And, and we need to be able to like, ask those questions. We need to explore that and realize that God's feelings are not going to be hurt. When we're frustrated, or we're confused, or we're just dumbfounded because we aren't sure what to do with what, what we're seeing, what we're feeling... Um, and so his feelings won't be hurt. He's, it doesn't mean that you uh, have renounced your faith. Uh, he's not shaking his head at you in disappointment. Uh, God, as the one who has hidden things from us, doesn't it seem to make sense that there is an understanding about our confusion? Like if you're a parent and you want to explain everything to your kid, but you, but you just can't, you know? You take a baby in to go get uh, shots from the doctor, and you can't explain to the baby, well, this is going to help you, and it's going to prevent all this kind of stuff. It's going to be really for your good, and it's going to hurt for just a second, and it's going to get better. That baby's just going to scream, you know? And so even the hidden things, it's not like God's like, come on, y'all, just get it together. I, th- I think there's some empathy there. But still in his wisdom, he's like, hey, it's just, good. It's just not good for you to know everything. Now, if that were all there were to the, to, to the thing, if you only had one column, that's, that's difficult. But we have another column to fill out. There are, there are more things that we need to con- take into consideration. And so even though a lot of those why questions are difficult, we're going we're gonna to fill up that other side. And when I say we're going to fill it up, I'm kind of saying I'm about to just sprint through a bunch of stuff. And so don't worry about keeping up with taking notes or whatever. I'll send you the points. I'll email them to you if you want them. Um, maybe just, I mean, you can write stuff down, but just maybe just receive it and just know I'm about to cruise, okay? Because even though those hidden secret things are, they're big and they most of them start with the word why, uh, there's a lot that he has revealed. He has not left us completely clueless about what to do with what we're seeing. And so I'm just going to knock out a bunch of points 
and show you some scriptural uh, evidence from that stuff. The, f- the first place that I would go is the, f- is the fact that the world is broken. Just that, that one concept. What has he revealed to us? Well, this place is busted. It's holistically busted. It's not a few things here and there. I mean, it's, a, it's all the way across the board. So when we, when we look at Genesis, and I've talked about this before, and I'm not going to get way deep into it, but we see that every interpersonal relationship we have has been impacted by sin. Man to God, man to man, man to self, man to creation. Anything and anyone you can relate to has been, uh, has been broken by sin. And that's where all the violence comes from. That's where all the racism comes from. That's where all those... All those tensions, that's where war comes from, that's where greed comes from, that's where, um, all of, uh, that's where human trafficking comes from, that's where everything comes from. We see it in Genesis 3, that sin has broken everything. The earth is also under a curse, we see in Genesis 3, and so that's where the earthquakes come from, that's where the hurricanes come from, that, that creation is, is, is groaning and longing for rescue, just like humans are. And so that... Exp- it gives at least a source for why some of that stuff is happening. Our, our bodies are broken. That's where sickness and disease comes from. That's, that's why we age and we get older and we get sick. And that's where the dying process comes in. And that's why we die ultimately. And so everything that's, that, uh, that makes you sit down and make, make, a, make two lists, everything that leads you to that point finds its origin in Genesis 3 and the fact that the world is broken. And as Christians, we at times are, that's just the, that has to be a part of our explanation. He's revealed that to us. He's revealed it to us and to our children that we would like walk in this forever. And so sometimes to your kids, when they're like, why did this, why did this happen? Your best answer is because everything's broken. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story. It's not like, hey, everything's broken. See you later. Because the second point is that Jesus came to fix it. That's so much of what we celebrate is, is, is his rescue, him coming to us, God uh, stepping into history and coming to fix all the stuff that's broken. And so you know, John 3.16 is, is fairly familiar uh, within the really the whole world. Um, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That the world is broken and leading to perish, and uh, leading everyone and everything to perish. And so Jesus comes in and He's like, hey, I don't want you to perish. I want you to, I want you to have life. And so even though the first bullet point is that the world is broken, the second bullet point comes in and is like, yeah, but it's going to be okay. That's why Jesus came. The next verse says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. John 10.10 So the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the left side of your column. Stealing, killing, destruction. That's, That's what brokenness brings. And Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So He has come in to fix it. And so when you're sitting down and you're like, why, 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 why? 
This is not going to answer everything, but it's, it's, it's going to give you some insight. He's revealed the fact that everything's broken, and Jesus came to fix every bit of it and make everything new. So those are the first two bullet points. Third one, he tells us that we should expect trouble. John sixteen thirty three, In the world you will have tribulation. Not to say that we shouldn't be shocked by the things that happen in our lives and the things that happen in our world. They're, are, they're shocking. I'm pretty sure that when I turned the news on Monday morning, I think I held my breath for a few like minutes. Probably not really minutes, but it felt like minutes. Because I was like just shocked by what I was seeing that was going down in Vegas. But then after it, after it kind of sank in a little bit, there's a part of me as someone who's been walking with God for a while is like, well... Well, yeah, I mean, he, t- he told us this was going to happen. He told us that, hey, uh, people are going to continue to hurt each other. And the systems are going to continue to fall apart. And the earth that's under this curse is going to continue to just, you know, dismantle. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised. Because I, I have prepared you for this, in a sense. And the second part of the verse gives us our fourth bullet point, which is that we should not lose heart. So he says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's, that's somehow, he, so he's revealed to us that somehow we are to sit down and we're, to, we're t- to watch a news report, be, be kind of shocked at first, and then be like, yeah, he told us this would happen. And then we should be like, yeah, Jesus has overcome this, he's... He's far above this. Somehow, somehow, he has overcome what has led to all the things that we're watching and all the things that we're experiencing. Somehow. So I'm, I'm going to, I need some help in taking heart, but on, the right, on that right column, I need to put, uh, take heart. He's revealed that I need to do that, even if I don't know what that necessarily means. I'm going to put that on the column. I, I need that in front of me. So the world is broken, Jesus came to fix it. You can expect trouble, but don't lose heart because Jesus has overcome it. Here's here's the next one. That God is present. You hear that sometimes. People say, "Where, where was God when this happened? Where was God? Where was God? Where was God? Psalm 139, really the whole thing, but 7 and 8 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or hell, you are there. So it's like, okay, so the, the best scenario you can think of, the worst scenario you can think of, everywhere in between, his presence is there in fullness. And so where was God when the Vegas shooting was happening? Well, he was at the concert in fullness. He was with the paramedics, he was with the police officers and the firemen, he was, he was with the people running, like, running for their lives and trying to help each other. He was with the people who were running into the situation to try to find out what was going on. He was in the hotel room where the guy was shooting from. I mean, it, I'm not saying it makes it better. But it's not a secret. It's not on the left column. It's not hidden. We know exactly where God was. He was right there. Just like He was with you, wherever you were at that moment. 
Just like he was there with all of us in those moments. Just like he's everywhere in the entire entire universe, in fullness, all the time. He's present. And And for some that makes it worse, for some that makes it better. And for probably most of us though, we're like, I don't know what to do with that, you know. But it's been revealed on purpose. There's something to do with it. So we really can't be like, yeah, where was God goes on the left column. No, it goes on the right column. And right kind of below that on my list is the fact that God is near. And what I mean by that is it's described well in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. When I say he's near, I'm, I'm thinking about those, those in, in the mid, like just the middle of it. He's near to those who are terrified. He's, he's near to those families who got those phone calls. He's, he's near to them. He's near to those impacted most by hurricanes and earthquakes and violence and racism and all the kinds of things like those who are crushed in spirit, those who are broken hearted. It's not that he's more close to them than those who are in a peaceful place. It's, it's that his nearness is more obvious, you know, that it's possible for them. And, and you hear this sometimes people just be like, yeah, was, I had this just this eerie sense of peace as things were unfolding. Like I could tell that I was not alone. And so God is present and God is near uh, in, a, in a relational way. And that needs to go on that right column. Here's, here's the next one. Uh, God is sad. Second Corinthians 1, 3-5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Mercy, mercy is connected to pain. And so for God to describe himself as the father of mercies and God of all comfort um, means that, that he is one who is familiar with pain. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. That God is a God of emotion. We are made in His image. So our emotions uh, are not because of sin. Our emotions are because we're made in the image of God. And so God experiences immense joy and immense sadness. That when, when we are hurting, He also is hurting. Again, I make the parent analogy. Sometimes parents, whenever your kids are, they're just hurting, isn't it gut-wrenching for you? That's because you're made in the image of God, who's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. It tells us in uh, John 11 that Jesus wept when news of a death came his way. And so uh, Jesus, as your advocate, feels God is the Father of all mercies. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. So the entire Trinity is sad with what has happened. That all the difficulties, all the bad doctor's reports, all, the, all the, the tensions, all the pain, everything that hurts us, he hurts with us. That has been revealed. 
And so some people want to put on the left column, how does God feel about this? That's not a secret that has been revealed to us. He, uh, it, it tears him apart. Because that is who he is. You can go to the next, the next bullet point I have here. Is, it just says God is, is like blank. You know? like, like, like a fill in the blank kind of thing. Because this whole list could be filled up with attributes of God from his word. God is holy. God is love. God is good. God is light. God is life. God is uh, outside of time. God is omnibenevolent. God is omnipresent. However you want to, whatever you want to put in there, any of those attributes, all the character that we know, list the fruit of the Spirit. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. He is patient. Uh, you fill, fill all those things in on that right side of the column. That has all been revealed to us. That is all a part of processing our way through this. That's why he's given, he has, has let us know what he is like. So that should go on the list. Another one. I got a couple left, but just hang in there with me. God does not endorse sin. In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, it lists, uh, well, it says, it says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breaks out, uh, who breathes out lies, the one who sows discord among brothers. Is God endorsing what we do to each other when we hurt each other? Absolutely not. God is not on board with the pain that we bring into each other's lives or the pain that is brought into your life. He does not endorse sin. You could also reference the Ten Commandments or the entire New Testament, if you would like. Here's another bullet point. Karma is not real. You need to put that on your list. People say, why them and not them? Why me and not someone else? Or, why them and not me? Try to figure out, man, what did I do? What did they do? Uh, All kinds of of really... uh, Yeah, really poor ministers of the gospel... Well, a lot of times they'll say really goofy things after something happens. Katrina comes in, messes up New Orleans, and they're like, yep, it's God's judgment on New Orleans. I don't know if anyone said anything about Vegas, uh, but probably, you know. And so what we need to do on, our, on the right column is we need to be like, hey, is that a thing? You know, like, uh, was this payback? Was this, you get, what, you get what's coming to you? Luke 13, Jesus uh, they had asked him about a, a situation where uh, some Galileans had suffered in a way. We don't really have much information about it. And so, uh, verse 2, he says, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 in whom, uh, on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is saying, like, hey, buildings fall on people. Bad stuff happens to people. If karma was true, the wages of sin being death would just be the end of that verse. It says, but... But the free gift of God, 
The, the grace that God brings to us shows us that, yeah, it's not about your behavior or your track record. Uh, bad stuff happens. The world is broken. Jesus came to fix it. Karma is a lie. And the gospel proves it. And we better be really, really grateful that karma is false. So that needs to be on the list because there's a reason why he let us know that. And I love Jesus' answer. He's like, hey, guess what? Bad things happen. You need to not be shocked when bad things happen. But then the next point on my list is simply don't waste your time. Because that's what he tells them in both those scenarios. He's like, those, the thing that happened to those Galileans, the building that fell on those people, like that stuff happens. But death is coming for all of you. Don't die separated from the true vine. It leads to perish. So don't waste your time. And that's not supposed to like scare us, you know. It's not supposed to be like, we're not supposed to, I think, live in fear. But I think there should be this awareness of like, yeah, we never really know what's happening. And so in our relationships, uh, in, the, in the people that we know who don't know the Lord, in relationships where forgiveness needs to happen, we just, we cannot waste our time. He has revealed that to us, that we would walk in it. Two more. Two more. Beauty will rise out of this. Isaiah 61.3. In talking about the, the, the Messiah and his ministry. It says, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Ashes were a symbol of mourning and repentance and sadness. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to take, that, take you from that place of mourning into a place of beauty. He says, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This point right here is not what you should go to someone at a funeral in the visitation line and tell them. Don't go to them and say, well, God works all things together for the good. That's not the time. Okay? But this needs to be on your list. Like We uh, we need to know that somehow beautiful, uh, God-glorifying things can come out of this terrible deal. We, We need to have confidence in that. It may not be a banner that we wave. But internally, we have to know that God comes along, and as His children are hurting each other, He's coming along and somehow making beautiful, beautiful, God-glorifying, loving things out of something that, from our perspective, is only terrible. And it takes time, and it takes Him doing things, and it doesn't even mean that, that we are glad those bad things happened, it really just shows how amazing he is. It's like, who else can do that? Beauty will rise from this. Here's the last thing. A better future is coming. That needs to be on our list. Every single time. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. 
for the former things have passed away. We got to write that on that right column. And every bad thing that comes our way, there has to be a part of us as believers that is so grateful to know that this, this is not the end. This will not always be the way it is. That our better future has been secured. In Micah chapter 4, again talking about the Messiah. He's talking about nations in dispute. When the Messiah comes in, he'll settle these disputes. He says in verse 3, And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. They're like, yeah, we, what do we do with all these weapons where we used to like, try to kill each other? And now, we're, like, what do we do with all this metal? Well, let's melt them down and make shovels and stuff because we need to plant some crops so we can eat. That there's no use for weapons anymore. It says, nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That we won't be teaching our kids how to war with each other. That there will come a point when that's just not really a thing anymore at all. Verse 4, They shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. No one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the people walk in each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of our Lord, our God, forever and ever. That better future is coming. He has revealed that to us. And so that right column, and then we could put more things on it, but I gotta let you go. You know, you got that left column that's like why, 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 why. But you got this right column. You got an entire Bible full of things that have been revealed on purpose. And I've said this before, and I'll probably say it for a long, long time: that there's enough black and white to get us through the gray. There's enough black and white stuff on the right side of that column to get us through all the gray and weirdness on the left side. And so what do you do like what do you do with it? I think you make that list and you look at it and you come before the Lord and you say, God, I have no idea what to do with this. Will you help will you help me? Will you help me? Will you help me to embrace all the things that you have revealed? And would you help me to trust everything on this left column? Just trust you to know why. Trust you even though you're not going to reveal that stuff to me. Tim Keller uses a, a phrase I've never heard before. I think he's quoting someone else, though. But he calls things apparent contradictions. It'd be easy to look at those two, those two columns and say, yeah, those contradict each other. Therefore, I'm going to throw out all my faith. Forget about it. And what Keller would say is, like, well, what's really happening here is you, just, you aren't smart enough to know how they fit together. Only God is smart enough to know that. So it's not a, uh, this isn't a list of things that are contrary to each other. They just appear to be contrary. Only God knows how it fits together. And so what we have to do is just be humble enough to say, I, I don't know. To say it to ourselves, to say it to other people, to not try to have to explain everything away, which is getting hard to do in our world where we have so much information all the time. But God's like, yeah, I'm going to leave some mystery out there because it's good for you. It's good for you. It's how you live by faith and not by sight. So no matter what darkness the days bring, it doesn't change who we are, who He is, what we're here to do. I'm sure that the application of this is different for every one of us in here. 
Some of you have probably been wrestling with all this stuff, or whether it's the big global things or, the per, or some personal things. Some of you do not want to ever think about a sad thing ever. You, know? you can't live that way. You also can't obsess over it. We also can't just wander around with all this turmoil inside of us and unsure what to do of it because he's revealed things to us on purpose. So I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that you're challenged. I hope that, that whatever, where, however the Spirit wants to use this barrage of information to you, it is useful. But God is with you. He's with us. It's, gonna, it's all going to be okay. Um, because Jesus has come to fix the broken world. And we are, uh, yeah, we're his people forever. And he'll walk us through it. Let's stand together. We're going to respond the way that we normally respond. Uh, we're going to sing. And you can come and kneel and pray if, that is, if that's something that stirs within you. Chase is going to be serving communion. Uh, you're welcome in our communion line. If you want to say yes to Jesus offering himself to you, uh, you're welcome here. And you'll tear the bread, you'll dip it in the juice, and uh, that's, how we receive what the, that's how we receive the grace that Jesus wants to offer us. And so whether it's about what I've been talking about or something completely different, uh, these closing moments are pretty, pretty important because once we're done, it's, you know, we're back into the craziness of, of life. And so let's steward this well. So let me pray for us, and then um, we'll take some time to respond together. God, I'm grateful, that you ha- uh, I'm grateful that you have revealed things. I can't imagine what it would be like to try to make sense of the world around us if, if you hadn't given us some direction. And so thank you for the grace of truth revealed to us through the scriptures, through a, a book written over such a long period of time by so many different authors. It's just amazing that there is this one thread of redemption that runs from beginning to end. And as we deal with the mystery, the things that we don't understand, the stuff you've kept to yourself, Help us to embrace what you have revealed and help us to trust you in the things that are hidden. Help us to not make things uh, into into more than they have to be. For those who need encouragement, I pray that you would offer it. For those who who need comfort, they'd realize that you are their father of mercies. For those who need to repent, confess, Celebrate whatever it is that you are there offering them your body and blood, which is the, the pathway to the life that you have for us. So in these closing moments, God, may we respond to you and be responsible with the things that you are bringing to life inside of us.